Hi there, welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast about public speaking and speaking up. If you struggle with saying what you want to say on stage, on camera, or in conversation, you're in the right place. I'm Angela Lucier, your host. I'm also an author, professional speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. If you want to practice the tips you learn on this podcast, you can check out a Speaker Sisterhood club as a guest for free. Learn more at speakersisterhood.com. Hey friends, welcome back to Claim the Stage. This episode is one that I wasn't really planning to do, (laughs) but I had a conversation a couple days ago with a super brilliant, super accomplished woman who has been running her own business for 10 years and is someone who everyone in the community looks up to and has just done great things. And I was shocked while talking to her to hear what she was saying about herself as a speaker. And I want to share our conversation with you because I think there's a lot of value in what she said about herself. And I want to share some of the advice I gave her because I think everyone needs to hear it. But before we jump into that, I wanted to say that In a couple weeks, I am bringing back Speaking School for Women. So unless you've been listening to this podcast for like five years, you're probably like, what the heck is Speaking School for Women? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It is my six-week online course to teach you how to become a paid professional speaker. And the world is sort of opening up again, and now there are more opportunities to go to conferences, and there's going to be opportunities to go to networking events again. And I mean... They're speaking gigs all over the place online, but now we we are going to be back in the world and that means speakers are going to be in high demand and they're already in high demand for virtual conferences and virtual meetings and trainings. So how do you put your hat in the ring to become one of those speakers who could be up on stage representing your expertise and your business and bringing in new clients? So that course teaches you all of that. And it, I started it in 2016. I've taught it, I think, six times now, and I'm very excited to be bringing it back for the first time in three years. So keep an eye out or an ear out for that as I announce it in a couple weeks. Registration will be opening at the end of March. And uh, if you're not on our newsletter list yet, definitely get on the mailing list because I'll be announcing more information there with the link to register and more details about how to get involved. So you can go to speakersisterhood.com and get yourself on the list. I also share a lot of stories in the pot, in the uh, newsletter. So if you like my stories, you can read them instead of listening to them on the podcast. All right, let me jump into today's episode. So I was meeting with this amazing woman <laughs> and she started to tell me that she had to do a presentation for her company and was really nervous about it. And she said, you know, I, I've been working with all of these people, leading teams, inspiring them with my my skills and my training and helping them with everything that comes up for them. But whenever it comes to public speaking, I struggle and I really, I overthink everything. I worry that I'm going to be boring and I'm afraid everything I say, everyone has already heard before. And that's the part that really messes with me because every time I put something down on paper and I decide, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. 
I second guess it because I think everyone's already heard this before. This is not interesting. Nobody cares. And, and I thought that is such a common response that I hear from women who are accomplished and, you know, running huge businesses. And I hear from college graduates and, you know, young professionals who are just starting out They're They're often saying, I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm talking about. Why does anyone care what I have to say? And even women who have 20, 30 years of experience who've been doing this for a long time are saying the same thing. Like, well, is this even interesting? Hasn't everyone already heard this before? And so even though the sentiments are a little bit different, it's the same message at the, at the core. It's, does anyone even care? And when I hear that, it, it worries me because there is so much more to public speaking than the words you're saying. And I think the most important thing we need to start with is nothing is new right? There are no new ideas. (laughs) We can combine two ideas that don't seem related and sort of make a new idea, but everything's pretty much been done. Everything's been said. And so now what we're doing is we're putting our own unique, authentic spin on what we're talking about. And that's the thing people show up for. If there's someone you follow on Instagram or on TikTok or you know, a podcast, you're probably listening or engaging with it because you like that person. It's not always about the exact advice they're giving or the brilliance they're dropping. It's about the person. You like their style. You like their personality. You like their values. You like their energy. You like what they bring to your life. And when this woman was saying to me, I don't have anything to say. I have nothing new to say. I thought, well, you're missing the fact that these people just want to hear from you. They like you. They want to know what you're thinking. And it doesn't have to be brand new. It's just about you showing up as yourself and offering something to them. And even if it's not brand new, it could still be extremely valuable. So instead of focusing on having the most unique ideas, What if you focused on giving advice that is tried and true and in your own style? And I I definitely struggle with this too. Like I want to be seen as brilliant and unique and amazing, but I realize it, that's not actually what's most important. It's really about giving people information that's helpful to them. And, you know, after working in the space of public speaking now exclusively for six, seven years, I've realized that a lot of the ideas and things I share aren't really new, but that's okay because they don't have to be brand new and cutting edge because a lot of this stuff is, it just works. It doesn't have to be new. (laughs) It's the same stuff because we're all human beings who all connect in the same ways. We all want that emotional, real connection and opportunity to be seen and be together and all of that stuff just is consistent. Like there's no reason to mess with it. So if you feel like what you're sharing is stale or it's like the same thing everyone else is saying, find your own way to put your own spin on it based on who you are and what you bring to the world. And I'm going to share three ways to do that because that's how we roll now on this podcast. And as I mentioned last week, our theme for March is reinvigorate. So what I'm going to ask you to do is reinvigorate your connection to yourself and how you want to be in the world. Because I think like one of the things that happened over the last two years during 
pandemic is, you know, we've all spent a lot of time in sweatpants. <laughs> we've all spent a lot of time in the house. And I notice with myself now when I get together with friends, I'm like, I don't even know what I wear anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, what, <laughs> what did I used to wear? <laughs> and not that style is just about your clothes, but you know, your clothes are about, are, are part of your, your personality and about your representation <laughs> of yourself. And sometimes when we, you know, there's a huge shift in our um, everyday life, you can get out of thinking about that piece of it because we're just sort of in the house all the time and not really thinking about how we're presenting ourselves to the world. So remembering that you have a personal style is a good place to start. And maybe reconnecting with some of your favorite accessories, some of your favorite nail polish colors, your favorite socks, your favorite shoes, trying to just remember like, what are the things that I feel best in when I present myself to the world? And I know that I have a couple different dresses that I love. And I also have a pair of shoes that when I put them on, I feel like I can do anything. They're black and shiny and they have a wood sole. They have a wood um, heel and they have a little gold bar on the front and they're just so cool. I love them. And so every time I wear them, I'm like, this is, these are me. These are just me. There's just something about them that makes me feel like I'm a hundred percent presenting myself as me. So not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but <laughs> making sure that you are even have an awareness of your style is a good place to start. So the first thing I want to give you for your journey to re reinvigorating your connection to style and not being boring is to remember that brilliance is about putting your own spin on things in your own brilliant way. So I'll say it again. Brilliance is about putting your own spin on things in your own brilliant way. It doesn't have to be the most amazing thing anyone has ever heard. It's about the way you say it. I remember years ago, I was presenting a marketing workshop to a group of business owners and it was taking place on a college campus. So the room that I was in had desks, like everyone had their own individual desk and I decided that what I was going to do in order to make this marketing this marketing workshop interesting was to give them all something that tangible that they could hold in their hand as they were thinking about the marketing for their business that would make the experience more powerful. So I decided to call the workshop Popcorn PR and I I got these little baggies, little Ziploc baggies, like tiny, tiny ones that basically like a quarter would fit inside. And I bought a bag of unpopped popcorn and I put one popcorn kernel in each of the Ziploc bags. And then I put one of the Ziploc bags on each of the desks in the classroom. So as the business owners came in, I said, you know, choose a desk. And as they sat down, everyone picked up the little baggie with the piece of popcorn. And some people said, is this supposed to be here? Was this left behind from like whoever was here before? I'm like, no, no, that's for you. That's for you. And so everyone picked up their little baggie and they're looking at the piece of popcorn. And, you know, if you have a bag of popcorn, you're probably not going to sit there and inspect every kernel. But when you only have one kernel in front of you, it becomes more interesting. And especially because it's, you know, 
it's isolated in a bag. <laughs> so now everyone's walking in, looking at this piece of popcorn and wondering what's going on. And as I introduced the workshop, I said, everyone, I want everyone to pick up the piece of popcorn and, and look at it and really inspect it and start to get to know it because that piece of popcorn is your business. That is your kernel of an idea. That's the beginning of something that could blow up and become amazing. But the way that you nurture that kernel is what's going to determine how big your business gets. And so we need to think about how your business is going to blow up in the world. And so I kept on using popcorn terminology and getting them to think about the small thing they have, which could become a much bigger thing and make a big splash in the world, maybe with butter, <laughs> because it, it's about the way that they talk about their business. It's where they show their business, who they show their business to, how they do it. And as we went through the class, I kept noticing the business owners picking up their, their little baggie of popcorn and just staring at the kernel like, oh yeah, I have to nurture this. This is mine. This is my little baby. And now how do I want to present it? And that one little, I guess you could call it a gimmick or, you know, one tool I used in that workshop cost me about $2. And it was one of the most effective ways to teach that workshop because of that one simple addition. And I would say that's an element of my style is to try and connect really simple concepts with something that gets people to think. And it can be through props. It can be through music, through videos, through games. There's so many different ways to do it, but the way that you do it is the magic. That's what makes it brilliant. It's the way that you present it. And, and it, I don't know about you, but I think that makes it so much more fun because that means there's no longer a template you have to adhere to in order to, you know, show something or create a presentation. Like you can get as far away from PowerPoint as you want and create something that people are going to get excited about. So if you think of yourself as a creator or a creative person, this should be getting you excited because there's like unlimited possibilities. So that's my first tip. Brilliance is about putting your own spin on things in your own brilliant way. My second tip is your audience wants you, not a perfectly crafted persona of you. Someone who does this really well is Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you listen to her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, or if you've read her books. I read Untamed a couple of years ago and just totally loved it. She's really good at telling stories about her mistakes and how she has learned from them and what, what it has brought to her life as, an, as a result. And she's also really good at just sort of naming her personality traits and not apologizing for them. Like she's not a very social person. She doesn't love sports, but her family is made up of athletes and she's always at like soccer games and she's married to a soccer star and she doesn't apologize for it. And she calls herself a, a depressed motivational speaker and openly talks about taking antidepressants to get through her day. 
And I love that she just talks about it because that's part of who she is. She's not showing up apologizing for that. And she's not hiding it and living in shame because of it. Like, oh, I wish I could be a more social person. I wish I cared about sports. I wish I wasn't on antidepressants. Like she just talks about these parts of herself because they are parts of herself. And what that does is it helps the audience to feel more safe and confident in their own traits and preferences that the rest of the world may not necessarily view as positive. And when you do that, you build a connection because people will trust you more because you're showing up fully, not as the perfectly crafted persona of a woman who has everything figured out. And I just, I really appreciate that about her because it makes me feel more normal. (laughs) It makes me feel more human. Like, oh, it's okay to feel that way. Oh, well, that's good to know. And then you can sort of like rest easier, just feeling like things that maybe your family doesn't agree with or the society sort of says is wrong or bad. You can just go, you know what? This is me and that's okay. I don't have to change. I remember when I first started speaking, this was like 13 years ago, I was doing a job search series I had created for libraries. It was an eight week series and I'll tell that story another day. I'm sure I've told it many times on the podcast how that happened, but (laughs) that was really my first time ever speaking outside of my public speaking club. And I didn't really know how to put together an hour long workshop, but I just was like, well, I'll just like start doing it, I guess. And then... (laughs) see how it goes. So my first, the the series was on like interviewing, personal branding, networking, resume writing. So there were, you know, all the sort of topics around career search. And as I started going, I was giving a lot of tips, like how to write a resume, what to leave off, what to put on, how to wow HR professionals, stuff like that. And I noticed that the audience was getting a lot of value, but they weren't really very engaged. So as the series went on, I started to incorporate more stories about mistakes I had made and why I knew that what I was sharing was correct. And because I had tested it and knew that, oh, that what I did was the wrong thing. So let me tell you how to do the right thing. And what I noticed is when I shared my stories, my embarrassing stories, the audiences would perk up and they looked like they were more interested in that part of the, of the workshop. And, and I was still really new at it. So I didn't know that this was an effective thing that people had been doing for years. And I thought, oh, like people want to hear stories about things that didn't go well because it helps them to relate. And also they don't feel so dumb or, you know, they, they feel like, Oh, it's okay if I do this or I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. And a lot of them after the workshop would come up to me and tell me their own stories about failures and mistakes and times they had done similar things to me. And I thought this is interesting because before people would come up with questions that were more strategy focused like is should I go to this networking event should I write this on my resume and now they're sharing stories with me and that's because I showed them my humanity and now they want to show me theirs and that was so huge for me to experience as a young speaker because it really highly influenced everything I did after that and it really influences the way that I teach public speaking today. And there's such an emphasis on storytelling in the world now. And there's so many books on the topic that it's like 
obvious, but at the time it really wasn't obvious to me until I started doing it. So make sure that you're tying in stories about your mistakes or embarrassing moments because it's so much more effective than always talking about your successes. It really helps your audience to relate to you and to just see that you're a human too. So speaking of embarrassing moments, <laughs> I'll tell you a story about one as we get into number three, which is to take risks with your presentations. Like when you're including things that no one would expect, like a costume or a prop, or like I said, a video or a game, you may do something that doesn't really work, but you know what? It's okay because your audience will still respect you for trying something different. And they will, they will go along with it because they see that you're trying, you're putting in thought, you're not just going along with the status quo. And there's value to that. And I've, I've seen speakers, like I remember being in a speaker sisterhood meeting where the, the member was giving a speech about exercise and she was trying to make a point about calories in versus calories out. And she had five volunteers at the front of the room and she had them putting post-its on their body and was writing numbers on the post-its and it was only a five minute speech. So by the end of the five minutes, like everyone in the room was confused and half the room was covered in (laughs) post-its and we were all like, we're not sure we totally understand where you're going with this, but we all had a really good time trying to figure it out and like kind of going with her idea. And, you know, she was able to work it out in time. And after practicing it a couple times and getting feedback, she had a really excellent speech but we all loved the fact that she had come up with this idea and was willing to execute it and take a risk and wanted to try something new. So don't ever be afraid of taking a risk like that, especially if it's in a team meeting where it's like, you know, you're with your coworkers and it's not like a client is on the line or you're presenting to a conference of 500 people. Like there are places where you can take risks like that. And there's really no consequences because it's just a chance to be with your team or be in a speaker sisterhood meeting where everyone there is is there to practice and to give feedback. So um, like years ago when I was still starting out, I was speaking at UMass Amherst at an MBA class and the professor had asked me to come in and talk about personal branding. (laughs) And so at that time I had just had five dresses made for me for my business and I got my logo stamped on them and I would wear one every day and they became part of my brand. And every time I'd go to a networking event or speak, people there would go, Oh, it's the woman with the dresses. And I would, I made a spreadsheet so that I knew that I I wouldn't wear the same dress to the same networking group. Like, you know, two months in a row, (laughs) it became like its own job just to be able to figure out where to, which dress to wear, where, And when I was going to do this personal branding class or workshop, I decided to go to Salvation Army and I bought a blazer and a long skirt and a button down shirt and a pair of really ugly shoes. And I decided I was going to wear one of my dresses underneath this blazer, button down and skirt for the first half of the speech. And then when I got to the part about presenting your own style and, you know, kind of what we're talking about here today. I would take off the blazer shirt and dress to reveal my dress underneath. So this seemed like a great idea. (laughs) I'm doing some foreshadowing here. (laughs) And as I started to get to the part of the speech where I knew I was going to be changing, I started to get really nervous 
because it hadn't really occurred to me until that moment that I was going to be taking off my clothes in front of the dean of the graduate school, a couple diff- a couple professors, a couple TAs, and a class of MBA students who are not like undergrads. They're people who already like are adults <laughs> and work in corporations and own businesses and have kids and, you know, would probably be surprised by this. So I remember feeling really hot and I'm sure my face was red because I blush really easily and thinking, should I pull this off? Because this is going to be awkward. But I, if I wear this dress the whole time or this, you know, bl- pants or blazer skirt suit thing, it's not going to be me and it's not going to go with the presentation. So I have to do it. So as I'm talking, I take off the blazer and then I start unbuttoning the shirt and I can see everyone and I'm not even talking about it. I'm just, I'm talking about something else. So I'm just doing it as I'm (laughs) talking (laughs) and I see everyone kind of leaning in and their eyes are getting wide and I'm like, my heart is racing and I'm like fumbling with the buttons, having the hardest time. And then I have to reach back and unbutton the back of the skirt and unzip it. And I just hear the loud sound of the the zipper. And I'm like, Oh my God. And the, the skirt falls to the floor. And I also had to change my shoes. So now I'm like going behind the lectern to get my shoes. And of course I'm like wearing heels. So I'm like falling on the floor. <laughs> and by the time I got everything off and was just standing there in my dress and my shoes, I was sweating and I totally forgot what I was going to talk about after that. And I felt so embarrassed And the audience was completely silent. And I just was like, I'm going to not draw attention to this, really. I'm just going to say, oh, by the way, this is me. And this is, you know, just to kind of talk about presenting your style. And then went back to the rest of the talk. And as soon as it was done, which could not have ended fast enough, I went over to the lectern and I started to grab my stuff and was about to run out of there to go home and completely change careers because (laughs) I was like so embarrassed and I didn't want to ever do that to myself again or to an audience. And I felt like I just, just totally failed. Like it was just a weird striptease to do in a professional graduate school at like a... (laughs) you know, a big college. It's like, what was I thinking? That I, that looked so stupid. And then the professor came up and she thanked me and I couldn't even look her in the eye. And a woman came up to me after the class and she was a student in the class and she shook my hand and she said, thank you. And I said, for what? She said, thank you for making yourself vulnerable and get, having courage to do that because I've been wanting to start my own business for three years and I have come up with so many excuses not to start, but seeing you taking a chance and seeing you putting yourself out there because you're trying to help people and you're trying to be creative and show yourself has given me the motivation to start. And I was like, you're kidding, right? (laughs) That was a shit, that was a shit show. (laughs) And she goes, no, I'm not kidding. I, I'm really inspired right now and I'm going to start. And I was like, okay. And I left there and I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe I don't have to completely change career paths, but I'm not going to do that again. And I didn't, I have never done that again because it was a weird, the execution of it was awkward, but, um, you know, I was, I was glad that I did it. I was glad that I took the risk in the future. I would not take that risk in front of an MBA class, but 
I would try that in a smaller venue just to see how it goes. But the funny thing about this story is that years later, like six or seven years later, I was in a business accelerator program and she was in it too. The same woman who started her business right after my talk. And there were, I think 15 businesses and we were all competing for investor money. And at the end of the three months, we all got to present in front of investors and she, her business won first prize and she won like $50,000 from these investors and has been building this amazing business. And when she won, I was like, oh my God, if I never like had that weird strip tease in front of her class, she might not have ever started that business. And then she would have never won this contest and she would have never helped all the people she's helped. And so, you know, it's like years later, I kind of felt like well, maybe it was a good thing, <laughs> but at the time it, it just felt a little weird. Uh, when I did my first TEDx talk in 2010, I did a cartwheel at the beginning of it. So that was another risk. And that risk went well because I had planned ahead by wearing bike shorts under my skirt. So people still contact me and go, hey, I saw your TEDx talk with the cartwheel. That was awesome. And a couple of years ago, I, sp I spoke at the Massachusetts Medical Society. And when they contacted me to see if I could come and talk at their conference, they said, oh, by the way, can you start your presentation with a cartwheel? I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> so sometimes these risks can be fun and just catch people's eye because they're different. And like I said, it's a, the brilliance is about putting your spin on things and being memorable and not so much about the actual words you're saying. So this episode has been all about not being afraid of saying something that everyone has already heard, but instead focusing on reinvigorating your connection to yourself and your creativity and your style and the way that you're saying things. Cause that's the stuff that matters. People want to see you. They want to see you being you. So I hope that this has inspired some ideas for you and got you excited about your next talk and how you can show up as you and really do like the you check before you get on stage and say, is there anything else I could add to this that brings more of me to it and isn't so focused on the data and you know the key takeaways, but the how, the experience of it, the, the fun stuff that people remember. So that does it for me this week, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this. And like I said, Speaking School for Women is coming at the end of March and keep an eye out for that. I'll be doing some episodes on the subject on professional speaking coming up. But if you have any questions about it or if you want to get on the waiting list, you can always email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com and we can chat more about it. So I also wanted to add that I now have an, op an option on my podcast to support my show. If you want to directly support it with, um, donations or, you know, a monthly payment, you can pay 99 cents a month or $5 a month or $20 a month. And anything you want to offer helps. Cause this is, um, something I put a lot of time and effort into, and I've been putting a lot into for about six years. So any support you want to offer is appreciated. So, uh, without further ado, Stop waiting. Start creating. I'll see you next time.